The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Coming up on Money Beat, it is earnings season again, and as usual, the banks are kicking things off. Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, and Citigroup all report on Thursday morning. What should investors be looking for and listening for? Our team of experts is here for the preview. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to Money Beat. I am Paul Vigna. I'm Stephen Crosser and Paul, I am excited. I know you are excited. It is bank earnings season. Bank earnings season starting up and we're gonna we're gets me out of bed early every and, time. And this, this is one of our best podcasts, really, where oh, we preview is. bank earnings. We got some of the, the brightest minds at the Wall Street Journal in here, our banking reporters. Today we have Emily Glazer, Peter Rudiger, and Aaron Lucchetti. And uh Emily, I wanna I wanna jump to you first. So tomorrow, Thursday, folks. We will get Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan all reporting on Thursday. Usually, they'll uh, you'll get these on Friday, but Friday's Good Friday, so nobody wants to come out when no one's around. That's true, except we have this pattern where they all keep reporting on the same day, and they just don't seem to care about that. Right. They don't care what it does to us. Miserable for us and the analysts, right. but you know what? It's not about us tomorrow. It's not. Well, and let's talk about, let's start off, because I think probably Wells Fargo is going to be the, the one that most people are, are looking at for, for earnings and beyond earnings issues. What's going on with them? Wells Fargo has been in the spotlight for the last seven months or so. I've been living and breathing Wells Fargo. I care about J.P. Morgan a lot, too. Those are the banks that I cover. Uh, but Wells Fargo just had an influential proxy advisory service on Friday say that 12 out of 15 of its directors should not be reelected. And that is all about uh, the bank's sales practices scandal. They had up to 2.1 million accounts that were opened without customer uh you know, knowledge or uh, it was fictitious customer information. People are still very angry about this. Regulators, politicians, shareholders, employees, you name it. And they have been really on the defensive. And so we're very interested to see what kind of earnings they report because their shareholder meeting is on April 25th. Wow. And that huge scandal and issue, is that going to affect earnings? Well, it's interesting. You know, It hasn't had a major impact on the bottom line. However, the unit that we have been keeping a close eye on is their community banking, and that's where they do retail banking. So anything that's in the branch, um, anything that you or I as individual consumers, if we're getting a checking account, a savings account, credit card. So uh, they actually do not break out that unit. Wells Fargo is pretty well known for not breaking out as much information as the other banks unfortunately for us and the analysts, it makes it a little harder. So we'll be keeping a really close eye to see how they report the overall unit, except that that they combine with their mortgage and other consumer lending. So it's very difficult to parse it out. Has has Wells Fargo been hit on the customer side, like, you know, seeing customers flee or struggle to add customers at its typical rate? Yes. Thank you for asking, Steve. So uh, for the last six or seven months, every month, they report what we call customer metrics. And that includes how many new checking accounts they're opening, how many new credit card applications they're getting, customer loyalty scores, et cetera. And for 
almost literally every month uh, that they've been reporting it, new checking account openings are down and new credit card openings uh, applications are down, usually in the 30 to 50 percent range, depending on what month it is and what we're uh, looking at. And so that has not been going well. In terms of losing existing customers and uh, their deposit base, it hasn't been as bad. But part of that is because banking is sticky. And it's really difficult to change your banking account. If we could do it on our cell phones and press two buttons, I think they would have a way bigger problem. But I think that's still a few years out. Right. It's not like, you know, oh, I don't like the Big Mac anymore. I'm going to Wendy's or something. It's, it's a little more complicated than that, right? Yeah, I might be more on the salad side of that. But uh, <laughs> I hear where you're going. The uh, new Big Macs are apparently pretty interesting. I've heard good reviews. You have? Yeah, okay. Three different sizes. Wow. Uh, and the conference call, right? They are having a conference call tomorrow? Yes. Or? So uh, I think Peter can best break down. We got a 645. Got a yeah. Peter, yeah. take it away. Uh, well, JP Morgan is, is gracing us by uh, putting out their results at 645. Uh, their conference call, I think, starts at 8 o'clock. Citigroup a little bit later. And Wells Fargo, I think, is right in the middle. So 10 o'clock, you can tune in and hear the new CEO, Tim Sloan, kind of tell you, give you an update on, on what the bank is seeing and in, in doing to respond to this scandal that Emily was talking about. I think the one other thing that we're going to be keeping an eye out for, especially um, on my end, is looking at the mortgage businesses at the banks. You know, we're starting to see rising rates again, but there hasn't been as much of an upswing as I think we all would have expected. So that'll be a business area that we're going to keep a close eye on. One thing that's pretty unprecedented about the wealth situation is we we do have the the shareholder vote for their directors just a couple weeks after earnings, I think on April 25th. And the proxy advisory service that Emily mentioned is suggesting that three-quarters of the board uh, be voted out, which would be extremely destabilizing and a very strong statement from shareholders that they think the board totally missed the boat in, in sort of overseeing Wells Fargo and its sales practices and how it dealt with customers. Um, so you're going to have earnings, and then you're going to have this whole layer of sort of uh, discussion, both on the calls and then probably behind closed doors, where Wells Fargo tries to convince their shareholders that the director should stick around. So there's a ton at stake here. It, it definitely won't help if they miss earnings. That'll just make shareholders a little bit more upset before this right. huge decision later this month. Hey, uh, before oh, we, before we, well, before we, we got to let Emily go, because yeah. Emily actually has a rather important meeting. I don't want to make you miss it. Uh, we appreciate you just coming and spending a little time with us. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Read WSJ for more information on what I'm reporting. Oh, my God. Such a pro. She plugs the plugs the publication in the podcast. Excellent. All right, Emily. Thanks. We're going to let you go, and uh, we're going to keep going here. So I'm sorry, Grosser. I didn't mean to interrupt Well, no, you. no. I just wanted to – one of the things I wanted to point out, though, is Buffett is the biggest shareholder in Wells Fargo, right? That's right. He has a huge, he has a huge say in this. And uh, turning the clock back to last year, the former CFO, John Stumpf, um, when the scandal first broke about fake accounts at Wells Fargo and, and, and kind of breaching trust of a lot of their Main Street customers um, – John Stump came out, and, and he sort of underplayed the, the seriousness of it. I mean, not to draw a current parallel with the United situation, but the, the, the first impression was, you know, we've got this under control. It was only a few bad apples. No big problem here. And it was really tone deaf, and a lot of people pushed back on Stump's initial message, including Warren Buffett, who later said that he called and said, you know, I think you're – I think you're underplaying this, um, which is pretty big from your largest shareholder. And then Stump probably only was there another month before he decided to leave under pressure. Uh, well, I, we're all sitting here looking at each other. Wait, we're all waiting for someone else to jump in there. Uh, boy, it's funny. We it's need Emily like, to come back and plug the podcast. I know, <laughs> uh, it, it's funny you say that. It's kind of like what happened with the United CEO this week, huh? like downplaying the initial incident. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's it's sort of natural in a way. I mean, you're you're in you're in a bunker. You're behind closed doors. You're with your advisors, and you're trying to kind of get your arms around how big of a problem it is. And you see, well, you know, this is one percent of employees over five years. We fired a lot of people. Uh, this is what Wells Fargo would have said before uh, the announcement came out about the the sale scandal. Um, but what really shocked people was that 5,300 people could be fired without someone saying, wait, there's a broader problem here. We need to look at how we're training these people. We need to look at you know, what, what the goals are for them, what the culture of the place is, what we're telling people we're here to do. Um, and so that, that took a long time to fix. Yeah. And it also struck to the very nature, too, of banking, the trust the customers have when they get, hand over their money to you. And I think that was another thing that, you know, right, they right. didn't realize how that really struck at the core for customers. Yeah. All right. Uh, on that note, let's take a quick break. We have an important message. And when we come back, more bank earnings season. What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to Money Beat. Paul and Stephen here in the studio with Aaron Lucchetti and Peter Rudiger talking about bank earnings season starting up. JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, Citigroup all reporting on Thursday morning. And uh, we're going to have the live blog up and running, right, Grosser? We are live blogging tomorrow. Yes, we are. I'm going to be in bright and early. I love it when you come in bright and early. The real question is, is Aaron going to be bringing in his uh, croissants? Mm, You'll have to wait and see. Uh, Oh, come on. What special stuff do we get? What do we get? um, Come on. Bagels, croissants. Donuts? Could be there. Donuts. We are such stereotypical journalists where basically it's like a news event and we have to have food. I never bring donuts because when I did that one time, I was one of like four people. We all brought yeah, the yeah. same thing. So, And uh, that I was a problem in what way? It, it actually wasn't. <laughs> I was, I'm sorry. How was that a problem? Last time I actually brought in, and, and, and this got some eyebrow raising in the newsroom, I brought in fruit. That's right. A fruit tray. And people were like, huh. Different bag of oranges. Yeah, yeah I've that's... done that too. I've done that too. What's in season, Steve? Do you know? Donuts. Donuts are in <laughs> Donuts season. Donuts are in season. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get back to bank earnings, gentlemen. Uh, Peter and Aaron, especially. Like, like, so, so Peter, what we, we talked about Wells Fargo a lot in the last segment, mm-hmm. but I mean, exp- I'm sorry, Gross. Yes, you're involved. I, in I this wanted. Too. I wanted to cut in. Okay, cut in. I, like, the, I actually wanted to talk, take a sort of ten thousand foot view of this. Last year was really the nadir, I think, for bank earnings. I mean, we had a story with Goldman Sachs saying, you know, uh, basically we had problems in all our business lines. Right. We had a story saying, like, the big problem for banks is revenue. Right. Uh, you know, so, I mean, the, how have things changed in the period since then? Right. So I think Goldman last year in the first quarter had its worst first quarter since before the financial crisis in like 12 years. And, you know, if, if we look at what's happened 
what's going to happen this quarter. Their earnings are supposed to double, at least based on analyst expectations. But that kind of headline jump, that percentage jump, kind of obscures the fact that the operating environment hasn't changed all that much since the election, right? And if you remember what bank stocks did and last year, they were up almost, I think, a quarter between the election mm-hmm. and the end of 2016. There was a lot of hope that you know, a Trump administration would bring in more uh, flexibility on the regulatory front. Tax reform would, you know, would, would help the banks too. And we're still waiting for a lot of that, right? So, you know, the stocks haven't moved that much since the start of the year. Um, if we look at different businesses, you know, trading was really what hit the banks the first quarter of last year, a very bad environment. The environment's better this year on a relative basis. But, you know, the the big events that drove up volatility last year, like Brexit, like the election, you know, we didn't really have those in the first quarter. So we're not really expecting a jolt to trading from that. So, you know, we're going to have to hear from bank executives on on whether they can kind of continue to drive revenue, drive profit in the absence of, of some of the initiatives they were hoping to get from the Trump administration, because it doesn't seem like that's coming anytime soon. So I'll, I'll do the second plug of the of the podcast here. We had a great story in the paper, the actual newspaper this morning from Peter, who's sitting right over here, uh, had some great charts on the bank stocks, what's driving them. They're up about 50% since the end of the first quarter, which you just referenced. So if you had been in those stocks uh, at the at this time last year and and had the faith, kept the faith, you would have made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, to, to boil it all down, you had interest rate increases in the end of 2016 and another one in March, and the wheels didn't come off. The economy's still doing fine. It's still making progress. Loans are still happening. Um, Margins are, are expanding. So so banks are doing slowly but surely better. And that environment is getting people to trade again on the, in the bond markets and in the fixed income markets and in currencies and in corporate credit. And that's what firms like Goldman have really needed for, for years. Uh, and, and the first quarter won't be a banner year, but it's going to be a lot better than the first quarter of last year, most likely, for most of these banks. And, and it's mainly because the economy is chugging along and continuing to grow. Despite the geopolitical concerns, the Brexit vote, the, the U.S. election raising a lot of, of, of concerns about what will change and what won't change, the economy continues to chug, chug along. I, I, I want to like take a look at the post-election banks because there are two very divergent moves here. You had after the election, Goldman, for example, was up over 30, I think close to 35% mm-hmm. through the end of the year. Um, and basically, it was the main driver of the Dow getting to 20,000 and 21,000. But if you look at it, it was actually quite interesting. What you saw in March was Goldman was the second biggest detractor in terms of points from the Dow. Mm-hmm. And there was a real switch in terms of the, the market's view of banks from you know sort of the post-Trump elation of deregulation, looking at Dodd-Frank, and you know higher interest rates coming from both the Fed and also growth in the economy. Where do we stand with, you know, sort of bank stocks going forward? I mean, especially, I mean, there seems to be a lot of uncertainty around them. And do you, do you think the CEOs are going to be talking about this on the, on the calls? Yeah, I think a lot's going to hang on the commentary from the CEOs this quarter. I think last quarter, they were asked a lot about the outlook under Trump for, for all these different areas. And most of them punted and said it's too slow too soon to tell. We're optimistic. But, you know, now we're three months later. Hopefully they have a better sense of the feasibility of some of these moves. Because, you know, as, as you pointed out last year with Goldman, like a lot of that move was based on hope that, you know, the environment would get better. Since then, the environment hasn't changed too much. So in last year, a lot of the factors driving the 
the underperformance of bank stocks was fear. So I feel like we're not in a hopeful environment. We're not in a fearful environment. We're kind of in a wait-and-see environment. So because of that, it, a lot's going to hinge on, on what the banks say. One of the most interesting facts we had last, yesterday was just that the correlation between bank stocks and Trump's approval rating is the tightest of any group of stocks. Mm. Right. So, Comerica. Well, that is yeah, not something, Comerica and Goldman Sachs. That is not biggest. something you really want to be tightly wound to right now, <laughs> is it? No. Well, and I think does does that underscore that, you know, you said, Peter, there's no real fear right now, but how long is that going to last? I mean, yeah, Trump's approval rating is very low. A lot of the big, bold promises they made already have seemed like they're not going to happen, at least this year. Uh, how long can, you know, bank investors maintain this, this not we're not afraid, we're optimistic stance? Right. And well, I'll add it to those points is there is some real softness in you know, we, we talked a little about our trading, but lending, which is most banks, aside from Goldman right, and Morgan Stanley's right. bread and butter business, has slowed sharply so far this year. And no one really knows why. You know, in, in the commercial and industrial loan books, which is the biggest chunk for a lot of these banks' portfolios, you know, it actually fell in February and December. Um, you know, last year it was up in double digits. We've had some commentary that companies are trying to finance more in the bond markets and, and less on, you know, through the loans that maybe a lot of the growth last year came from distressed energy companies that could only tap their credit lines that couldn't borrow from the mm -hmm. markets. There's a whole lot of different explanations for why it's slowing down, but it is a concern, right? Um, and until I think investors are assuaged that, you know, the banks have a handle on it or we can maybe reverse that, I think maybe you could see some fear tick back in. Um, you know, in different business lines, Emily referenced mortgages, you know, as as rates have, have crept closer to 4%, the effect of that on refinancing activity is going to be pronounced. You know, we haven't talked about different kinds of consumer businesses with Wells, but, you know, the industry is grappling with a really expensive push to sign up people for new credit cards with Ch Chase Sapphire Reserve Card and Amex. And there's a, a fear that, you know, those marketing costs are going to eat up a lot of the profits in that business. So, you know, I, I think for the We've been accustomed to the operating environment kind of being slow and steady for the banks for a while. Trading wasn't great, but it wasn't falling off a cliff. Um, you know, loan growth was slow and steady. Margins were shrinking, but at a slow and predictable rate. And now it's getting a little less predictable. I think two, two strong things that will happen in banks' favor this quarter will likely be that even without any changes in Washington, they're going to sh show strong results relative to last year. That's going to help sentiment. Uh, and they're not going to need a congressional um, package to go through, like health care, to get deregulatory moves on things like the Volcker Rule, on things like capital. If you have um, new regulators come in, which we probably will in the next couple of weeks, um, they're going to interpret these rules differently, and it's going to be more bank-friendly, almost without a doubt. And that's going to help banks in the second and third quarter. The thing that could hurt them is if this aging uh, growth cycle turns over into a recession, we start to see credit quality problems, and there's a demand side issue. We probably won't see that in the first quarter, but that's a big concern going into the second and third, into the fourth. I wanted to just talk a little bit about interest rates real quickly before we wrap this up. You know, we saw two, you know, we've had two rises since, uh, you know, in December and now just in March. How much of that is going to filter through to this quarter, or is this more of a, a longer-term play? Um, in terms of you know the the you know in terms of the bank's performance versus what their what their stocks have done, mm -hmm. I think you'll see a lot of it filter through this quarter. But you also had different moving pieces. So while banks got a boost 
um, from the Fed raising rates, which immediately led to higher rates on things like credit cards and home equity loans, which benefited them. You know, the bond market, the the 10-year yield, um, you know, wasn't cooperating as much as kind of the short end of the curve. So you actually had the yield curve flattening, which is not great for banks. You like it steepening. Um, so a lot of what the Fed did was almost counteracted by moves in the bond market. So you'll see some headlines on how much net interest income increased or how much banks' net interest margin, a measure of the profitability of their lending business, expanded. Um, but so not everything the Fed did immediately flowed to their bottom line. Peter said it all. Are you going right. to wear your NIM T-shirt to, uh, to the earnings day tomorrow? I might get a NIM tattoo tonight. Just right. uh, That's net interest margin. Uh, any, any bank geeks out there all know what Peter's talking about. Do you have uh, a T-shirt? Yes, but not an M T-shirt. I think we're no, going to no, in nine inch nails. Is that your T-shirt? Just no, instead of instead of donuts tomorrow, how about I? I mean, I'll bring in a T-shirt. I'll, I'll bring in a NIM a t-shirt. t-shirt contest. Yeah. yeah. Best. I think we should all best baking T-shirt. Anyone, best entry in the live blog gets a live, NIM T-shirt. Anyone live blogging, I would say. Why don't we do T-shirts instead of cargo t-shirt. shorts next year? Yeah, yeah. Is that is that? Can we make that a thing? I think NIM T-shirts are going to be far cooler. NIM t-shirts. Mm. All right. Uh, I'm sure there's big demand for that. All right, folks. Hey, listen. Thank you for listening. If you like what you've heard, and we sure hope that you do, you can subscribe and get this podcast and many others from The Wall Street Journal. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can find us on your Google Play Music app. If you have an Amazon Echo or an Amazon Tap, you can make us part of your flash briefing. I'll be honest with you. I do not even know what that is, but I am reading it because it is here. Uh, if you want to uh, least we want to give us a shout out, you want a little praise, a complaint, whatever, we are happy to hear from you. Write us at we are podcasts at DowJones.com. Thanks for listening, and we will catch up with you soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.